Hello and welcome back to the Harvard Hoops podcast. This is episode 93. We are nearing on the century. I'm your host, Liam, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Benjamin Jones. Ben, how you doing, mate? Six days to go? Yeah, I can't believe it. It's, it is flying through. Um, and uh, it's been a stressful part to plan for, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, it has. Today is our uh, our Western Conference preview. We obviously did the East last time. I think we had eight out of 15 the same, which is pretty good for us. That's, that's not a bad little uh, little return for us. But today is the West, which I think we've both found much harder than the East. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. <laughs> There's a couple of pockets of teams, I think, that are uh, difficult to choose from. I have it on good authority as well that Ben's actually done this exercise twice. The first time went that badly. Completely different result. Well, not completely different, but <laughs> barely different results each time round. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's that just kind of shows how my opinion on the way the West is going to finish differs day to day, week to week. Yeah, I agree. Same here. And I think as the season goes on, that's only going to uh, continue to keep happening, I think, as we see the early results. Uh, preseason's obviously been a few weeks old now. Uh, have you managed to, to catch much or are you kind of just waiting for the real stuff now with uh, getting as much sleep in as you can before the real stuff kicks off? I've been doing what I can to get what I can. Highlights here and there um, and a few kind of mini games in there where I can. But preseason is difficult. Like, although they're ramping up the Stars minutes, the Stars still aren't really putting in the effort that they probably will during the regular season. So the, the stats kind of fluctuate wildly from night to night so yeah that's um, true. roll on start of the season <laughs> yeah a lot of teams don't bother playing their starters either very much in the first week or two uh, first week 10 days or so but whereas now we're getting closer you'll see a couple more starters play so we'll see how the uh, the rest of this week's preseason action goes um cool plan for the pod like i said western conference preview and then next podcast we're going to do our betting and awards preview uh, and then we're going to do a, a mini pod for the opening night as well. So uh, that's what we've got planned. But let's kick it off now with the, our West preview then. Start at number one, like we do every single year. Uh, give me your, your team you think is going to finish first in the West. Obviously, this is just regular season for anyone listening. So uh, it doesn't in, in, include playoffs at all. Yeah, and that had a big impact on who I think is going to get the number one spot. Um, and I think it's going to be a repeat for the Utah Jazz. I think... Nice. Their talent, their depth, I think they're probably going to come into this season a little bit healthier um, than they've been prior because um, Mike Conley was very banged up beginning of the season last year. And then when he came through and was hitting his stride, um, Spider went down. They've added Rudy Gay. I, I, just, I really like this Utah Jazz team. I think, like I said, the, the talent and depth amongst this team is incredible. They've got a really good season under their belt already last year. And I feel like they're going to just sort of kick on from that essentially um, and and go for it from there. Yeah, pretty much retained all their uh, start, well, all their team pretty much, uh, didn't they? I know uh, they let, uh, what's the guy to OKC that I'm forgetting his name now? Forward, uh, Derek Favors. Yeah. He's gone to uh, OKC and they've basically replaced him with uh, with Rudy Gay, which I think is uh, a good move, but interesting. Uh, I didn't have the Jazz, so I'll talk about them a little bit more, but I think that's a sound decision. I went uh, first overall seed. I went with the same team I did last year, which is the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, similar to what you said, actually. I'm banking on a little bit of improved health from their stars. Uh, LeBron missed a few games last year. AD always misses games, but last year was a little bit more than the two years previous, so... I'm hoping for a bit of improved health there. 
Uh, and I guess Russell Westbrook played into it. Because I think the overall roster is actually worse, I think, than last season. But Westbrook in the regular season, we all know what he does. He, he gets good stats against bad teams. Uh, but that's a good thing against those teams because he can kind of will a team to victory. So there might be a night where LeBron's resting and Westbrook can get 25 points, 15 boards, 10 assists or something. And he can kind of will the Lakers to a few more wins. Maybe they wouldn't get when Davis or LeBron are both resting slash injured. So uh, I'm not as high on the Lakers overall, but for a regular season activity, I just lean towards the Lakers really um, over the Jazz. I think that Westbrook will make a difference. AD, hopefully he's healthier, like I said. Uh, and LeBron, he took last year off a little bit at times defensively. And I think this year uh, he'll want to try and win MVP and, and get that one seed. So I think he'll be uh, going hell for leather. So I went with the Lakers there at number one. Yes, yeah, it's a sound pick. It's, it's probably quite a few people's favourites um, just because of the star power, I guess, they've got going on over there in LA, but not at my number one spot. Interesting, interesting. Well, uh, I'll kick us off with number two then, since you've already spoke about them. Uh, I went with the Jazz, uh, and I wrote down here, historically one of the best regular season teams in the NBA. Yep. Uh, and I don't really see that changing. I don't see there to be like a big gap from the Lakers Jazz. I think it'd be one, two games. You never know. It may even swing on when they play each other as well. Uh, and obviously yep. Lakers can go star heavy in those games and, and try and beat Rudy Gobert and stuff with AD playing at the five a little bit more. So I still think the Jazz will be very good. Um I will add that I think their defence was amazing last year, statistically, in the regular season. It dropped off in the playoffs when teams went small ball. So I wonder if more teams will go small against them and maybe their defensive numbers won't be as good. Um, but we'll see. Rudy Gobert does have amazing defensive statistics in the regular season. Uh, so maybe that will continue. And then I did add as well in my notes that uh, I think they were the best three-point shooting team ever in the NBA last year. And there is a chance that doesn't happen every year. <laughs> like I think six of their guys had their career year. And obviously your career year doesn't happen very often for a reason because it's very, very difficult to do. So I do expect some of their players to regress, but I think overall they'll still do enough. And I actually see one and two in the West being quite far ahead of three, four, five, six, etc. I think that those two top two teams for me are uh, in a class of their own regular season-wise, I think. Sure, like we had in the East last week. Yeah, I had that written down as well, that the Jazz hit a uh, incredible amount of threes last year. Very efficient from deep. Can they do it again? Maybe, maybe not. It's difficult to say, but I think even if they haven't got that falling, they've got enough talent elsewhere to, to keep scoring and ticking over. And like you just mentioned, their defence was incredible last season. Yeah. Um, with Rudy Gay coming over, he's played a little bit of small ball four from the Spurs. Yeah. So uh, maybe he's... that's something they can kind of play in alongside Gobert to help him back there. Yeah, he's better than Favours, I think, personally. Yeah. I know they're, they're different players, but... I think overall I'd take one. I think Gay gives you a chance to play small ball five as well if you really have to at times, uh, if Gobert's off the floor. So, yeah, I think that's uh, a good idea. Um, I was going to add as well that Mike Conley was pretty injured last year. And I think his age is a worry, so that could happen again. But I still think there's a higher percent chance that he's not as injured because it was the worst season of his career, apart from the year when he missed obviously like six months. Apart from then, that was his worst kind of spell of injury after injury. So I think that could improve. Um, but yeah, I think the Jazz will get loads of wins. They'll go over their total, which is like 50-odd. Uh, I think the Lakers will too. But yeah, who's your second team? Is it my first team or not? It's not. Oh, interesting. I am going no change again. So the Phoenix ah, Suns finished second in the West. Again, another team that's retained their players, essentially, um, yeah. and added what I think was a great pickup in JaVale McGee. 
Oh, you love yourself some JaVale McGee. I do, especially for this team, because when DeAndre Ayton isn't on the court, um, they can be found out quite easily. Um, having that backup centre who is literally there to to defend, essentially, run the rims, block shots, I think it's really going to add to their, their game, especially during the regular season. I think he's going to get good minutes and, and contribute really well. They're all going to be healthier this season, hopefully. You know, they had a great regular season last year. And you just can't count out Chris Paul and Devin Booker as, as a one-two duo at the moment. They seem pretty unstoppable. And I think they carry that through into this season um, and keep winning games, basically. I think they've got a great roster of young and older talent that can pull together here and go from strength to strength. Interesting. I like that. I've seen people be uh, kind of one way or the other, I think, with the Suns. I've seen people either go one or two because they were just so impressed, obviously, with how the playoffs went. And I've seen other people kind of predict that that little bit of regression. Um, and obviously, I think Chris Paul's had surgery in the summer, hasn't he, as well? So uh, that's probably a factor because he, he sure. gets injured so often. But yeah, I think that's interesting. I won't go on too much about them because, uh, again, they're later in the list for me. Uh, so yeah, but I find that interesting. What about your number three team then? Kick off uh, straight into number three. So, my number three team in the West, you'll be happy with this. I've got the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, I'm so surprised you haven't put the Lakers up there. Uh, but I'm more happy about the Dallas Mavericks. Tell me why, as a, non, as a non-biased person like me. Tell me why. Uh, Luca's incredible, for starters. Um, and with Jason Kidd, I think he's going to be playing a lot through Luca. Um, yeah. I think Tim Hardaway found his stride last season. And with his new contract under belt, I think he can step up and be the second option if needed. Um, But Paul Zingas has been looking a little bit better pre-season. Hopefully that continues for them. Um, Some of the other pickups they've made will hopefully work out better than the ones from (laughs) last season did. Can't be worse than Josh Richardson, I don't think. Exactly. That's where (laughs) I'm sort of alluding to. Um, another season for the core guys to sort of stick together uh, and push on. And I don't think they're finished in terms of making moves and adding to this roster. I think it's only going to get stronger. There's all those uh, potential rumours of, of getting Goran Dragic, which I think could be the missing piece for this team. And, um, yeah, I don't... I, I really think Luca is going to gun for that MVP this season. And statistically, he needs to have this team in the top two or three to really get that MVP award. So um, I think it's going to be a big season for the Dallas Mavericks. I think they're going to be good, certainly good in the regular season. We'll see how we go in playoffs. Interesting. I like that. Go to my uh, my third team. I've also put Dallas Mavericks. Ding, ding, ding. We have our okay. first match. And I did not think we'd be matching with the Mavs at three, but I'm very excited. <laughs> in capital letters, I just wrote Homer pick because I didn't think you'd put them three, but that makes me feel better. Uh, my next three words just say Luca in capital letters three times, which is accurate because <laughs> uh, I agree with you. I think he's going to need an MVP. Well, I think he'll need to be in the top four at worst, probably two or three, I think, like you said, to to get the MVP. Yeah. Um, and I also think for them, if this makes sense, for them to be third, he needs to be clearly an MVP top front runner. You know, like they come hand yeah, in hand yeah. for me. Yeah, there's no way he could be like, oh, top 10 in MVP, but like 8, 9, 10 and then finish third. I think the West is too strong. I think for them to be third, 
he's in the top three. Yeah, maybe someone like Embiid could go win the East or Durant could score the most points and win the, the East and, and be above him. But I think he has to be in that top three sort of end of season rankings that we all do um, for them to have a chance here. So I find that interesting. Uh, I agree with you. Better bench unit. It does look like they're going to play the exact same starters as last year, but the, the bench is basically, uh, you're basically adding uh, Reggie Bullock over Josh Richardson, which is an upgrade. Uh, Sterling Brown and also Frank Niakina, my boy, Frankie Smokes, uh, also going on the bench to replace rookies, really. Um, so they've yeah. really added a bit of experience. Uh, apart from Frankie Smokes, they've added three-point shooting. I think Reggie was like 41% last year and Sterling Brown was 39.5%. Um, so that's really good numbers for a team that historically generate a lot of three points. Um, one, well, not two concerns, but two final points. So I think fully healthy Porzingis is key to this prediction, which he is. And this is the first year he's actually been since his second year in New York where he hasn't had to have surgery over the offseason. So this is his first summer where he's got to relax, rest, and then play basketball. Uh, and he does look a lot quicker. Uh, I think he's averaging like three blocks and three steals in preseason, which isn't a lot, but he's only playing like 15 and a half minutes so, <laughs> uh, till the last game. So it looks like, oh, it's just preseason, but still, he's not doing that in a lot of minutes. So he just looks a lot quicker to me laterally. Uh, Jason Kidd plays a complete different defense to Porzingis. Uh, sorry, to Rick Carlisle, which will help Porzingis. That's a positive. And my only negative that I think where this team could go from third to seven and have like a disaster would be the Jason Kidd offense. Uh, there's a little bit of a worry that so far in preseason, the Mavs have gone from the number three three-point shooting team in terms of amount of three points taken per game. They're now last in the whole NBA. Wow. Uh, and I know it's only three games. It's just preseason. And for two of those games, the starters didn't really even play. And they played like eight minutes each, 10 minutes each. So this could all change in a week's time when we're looking at the real stuff. But I'd be really worried if he tries to turn the Mavs completely into a into a paint team. I know Luca's good at that, but Luca's also good at getting all the other players open three-point shots. So I'm hoping that does change. And like you said, with the additions on the bench, it looks like they'll still try and shoot three-pointers because why would you add two really good three-point shooters and re-sign Tim Hardaway if you weren't going to take threes? Yeah. So I'd hope that long-term that's not the case, but we'll see. He has got his ex-Slovenia coach as the head assistant now in Dallas. Um, he's going to coach the offense and Jason Kidd's going to coach the defense, basically. So I'm hoping that there's some change there, but... Yeah, I agree. I think the Mavs are a, a sneaky team to watch. And I think that's going to be fun. I think Luca is the fittest he's ever been coming into the season. And that's I think, scary. Yeah, he's, uh, there's a lot of photos last year going around about his weight and he is just completely ripped up compared to that. He's obviously never going to be LeBron James, but uh, he looks much more uh, fit and healthy uh, after playing in the Olympics. He basically had two weeks off all summer. That was it. And the rest was just working out. So we'll see. And I agree with you. I think Dragic could be the next addition. Or, as uh, Bill Simmons keeps saying on his podcast, it could be some buyout guys. Because if you look at the Lakers and the Nets, the teams that normally get the buyout guys, their rosters are completely full. If you look at the amount of older players that have signed minimums already, there's no space on those rosters for extra guys. So I do think teams like the Jazz, teams like the Mavs, Philadelphia, they could get a, an extra player or two come buyout time. So I think the Mavs will uh, be interested in that. But yeah, we'll see. I'm glad that we matched on that one. Yes, very good, very good. So... That means we both got to go to our number four. Do you want to go ahead with yours? Yes. So number four, this is the two. two so this is, like I said earlier, swapping stuff around. I kept swapping this team and the Mavs around quite often. Uh, and I just went with the Homer. So fourth, I put the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I don't quite buy into full regression that they're going to be like the seventh, sixth team. Uh, I think they learned a lot from the playoffs. So I think they're still going to be good. 
Uh, I think they regressed slightly because their fourth quarter numbers were really good. Chris Paul was really healthy in the regular season last year. And like I said, he's already had surgery. So I think there's going to be a bit of regression due to injury. And then a couple of the guys like maybe Cam Johnson and Cameron Payne not quite shooting as well as they did last year. Um, so, yeah, I was worried. I didn't want to put them high on the list because some of the roster, I was a bit worried about the regression. Um, but, yeah, I think overall they've had an amazing regular season last year. Uh, they've got some great pieces. They're young enough to keep kind of motivated as the season goes on. I do wonder if the Aiton contract could become a distraction. Uh, but I think overall, they're still going to be a really good team. I'm just putting them a couple. They might have the same wins as last year, but obviously we're playing extra games, aren't we? So I think their win percentage will go down like five or six percent purely because I think Chris Paul will miss a few more games this year. But I still think they're going to be a very, very good team. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a safe pick in fourth. Like, like I said, this West is so close amongst the kind of, well, across the board that you could be talked into slotting teams into almost any position, really. Yeah. Um, I have actually got two two Sunshine questions whilst we're here, though. Go on. Um, as soon as we're doing well on time. So, obviously, they, there's a rumour, well, not a rumour, a report that confirmed that DeAndre Ayton wants the full max contract. The Phoenix Suns don't want to pay him quite the full max. Do you think he's worth the full rookie max, the same as what Luca and those guys got? And the, I guess the better question is, do you think they'll eventually just give in and pay him? I personally don't think he is worth the full max yet. I think he's still developing. He's shown moments of brilliance, but also moments of immaturity and, and not being able to read the game properly. I don't. If you're comparing a rookie extension to Luka Doncic, like it's especially a max one, you can definitely warrant not giving him one. But yeah. ultimately, I think the Suns do have to give him bite the bullet and go for it, yeah. yeah. What about Mikel Bridges? They're both obviously due, due, um, due extensions. Mikel Bridges' rumours are it could be £25 million a year. So this would be the biggest amount of money that Phoenix have ever played, paid one team if they extend both of them. Do you think there's a chance they let him walk or you think they extend him as well and kind of go all in with this team? I think they're going to go all in. I think this is their best kind of window as well to do it. Um, yeah. With Paul there as the kind of on-floor general, Booker's heading into his prime. You've got this really great supporting cast. Uh, needs to be sooner rather than later. Or they go full in and buy in and keep this team together as long as possible because they're still all so young, apart from Paul, obviously. Yeah, I do agree. I think they do cave in on the Aiton. Uh, I'm not sure the Bridges. No. I, think they, I think they might wait it out, but that could be their, their undoing because a team like the Knicks or someone could offer him 30 million a year and you're at the point then where you're like, oh, this is 8 million per year, more than what we're going to pay, plus the luxury tax, and then you may end up biting the bullet there and not doing it because uh, their owner is historically cheap. So I think they'll do Aiton. I think they might wait so long with the Bridges one that they get kind of they stitched themselves up a little bit, but my, if I was them, I would, I agree with you. I would pay both of them uh, and I would go all in. And then when Paul retires, you're going to lose 45 million off your books anyway. So that's the time where you can maybe reset a little bit and, and yep. see what you want to do about the finances. But, but yeah, I agree with you. That's probably the, the best thing to do. Um, who's your fourth team then? There's one team that I've spoke about that you haven't yet. Is Are they finally on the list? Absolutely. We've almost, <laughs> we've got the same top four, just not necessarily in the same order. Exactly. So I've got the Los Angeles Lakers in that um, fourth spot simply because... Um, Kate Westbrook. 
Yeah, well, not really. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> it's not the only reason. I just, I like the roster in terms of the star power is obscene um, when you go down the roster and you look at it. I know, but the downside is they're all aging. You've got LeBron, Melo, um, AD, Mello. Rondo, uh, Dwight, Dwight Howard. Howard. Yeah, Dwight Howard. Trevor Reza. Yeah. yeah, it's just like it is a who's who of of talent. Old guys. <laughs> but they are all old. Um, they've got a couple of younger players in there that are going to really contribute. Um but right, they've got DeAndre Jordan, I just realised again. Oh, yeah, DeAndre Jordan, but I don't think he's going to get many minutes. No. Um, Kendrick Nunn, I think, is a really good pickup for them. He's going to get some really good point guard minutes and fill in that kind of Caruso role, I think, off the bench for them there. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker seems to be improving every year. He had a really good season last season in the minutes that he was getting. I think he's going to get a bigger role this season. Um, Wayne Ellington is probably going to get a couple more minutes, maybe, perhaps. They they've got Kent baseball. They've got room to kind of wriggle, I guess. Uh, I'm just worried about health. I'm worried about how this team sets up and plays, um, because the best you get out of LeBron is having people that can spread the floor and shoot around him. Uh, and you look down this kind of their potential best lineup. And your best shooter is Melo, and then AD, then LeBron, or something like that. Like it's, it's not a great shooter three-point shooting team. Um, however, because everybody is a threat and can work from the perimeter in, perhaps people rushing out on them and kind of guarding them from there. Everyone can kind of create their own shot, so maybe they're just going to go down that route and and play fast go for rebounds you know they've got these fast rebounding bigs athletic bigs that they're just gonna crash the boards and get out and run like they did kind of two seasons ago then maybe that'll work but you've also got your players like your mellows and your rondos who aren't going to be as quick on that turn of pace so i just can't predict how this style of play is going to turn out and how it's going to work which is why i can't put the lakers higher but a healthy lebron your top four yeah, I was slightly surprised you didn't have them a little bit higher. But yeah, I do agree. It is a very strange roster when you look at it. There's players in this roster that think they should be playing X amount of minutes that won't be playing any minutes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it is that, I don't know if loaded is the right word, but it's that loaded with people that have had big careers, I guess, at least. Because um, you've got Wayne Ellington there as well. Um, who and Monk, who would expect to be in Baysmore, who played all and played minutes last year for their respective teams. Do you think there's a chance some nights they won't play any minutes. So, yeah, I do wonder how the roster will look uh, in terms of ability and in terms of, I guess, team chemistry and what the actual roster will look like. Like, will Vogel end up having to play guys too many minutes at times? You know, that is a real worry for me. Um, And I would be just as... Sorry, I would be the same. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they were first or fourth. But I would put them first, but equally, if they were fourth or fifth... And it, w- it just wouldn't shock. Yeah, it just wouldn't shock me. I think that. Whereas the Jazz, I just don't see them going ever as low as five. Uh, whereas I just and same with uh, Brooklyn and Milwaukee in the East. I just they'd never be five. It's just they're not. That's not going to happen. But the, the, I do think that that could happen for this team. I'm just banking on the talent a little bit more. But 
Yeah, I'm predicting a bit of a rough start to the season whilst they all work out their roles. And then maybe once they get rolling a bit, come November, end of November, start of December, maybe they can go on a bit of a run and we can see that extending a bit. Uh, but yeah, it's quite an old team. I'd love to see Melo get a ring. I, I don't necessarily want LeBron to win another ring. <laughs> but now, if it ever happens, this I can just... Start. Kind of thing. Yeah, I can just cheer. I can just cheer on Mello and watch the finals and hope he hits some threes in the corner and does the three to the dome. So it's a little bit of a uh, a win-win for me. But yeah, the Westbrook stuff is very interesting. I think they're going to be a horrible playoff team at times unless Davis is incredible because I think Westbrook yeah. and LeBron is a weird, weird fit. That's yeah. that's the thing. I think it is potentially a very good regular season team. Uh, it's, it is playoff time that this team looks. Like it's going to have some serious uh, issues. Yeah, and I think this could be their their worst season defensively as well, because obviously losing Caruso, Kuzma was a willing defender, and KCP was probably their best defender. Yeah. So I do think defensively it's worse. A really good stat as well. The last year was the first year in LeBron's career where he took two thirds of his shots from outside. Uh, he, he got to the rim the lowest of his career, so it does seem like he's not willing to. Uh, to drive to the room anymore. And when you've got a load of players that can't shoot around you, uh, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I just don't know where the spacing is going to come from. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. He's going to have to kind of adapt and become more of a shooter, I think, this season, which could have its benefits. It, a, it helps continue that three-point shot being a bit more consistent, saves his energy and his legs for the postseason. Um, and spreads the floor for the guys that want to get inside, like your Westbrooks and things. But uh, it's just trusting that kind of untested version of LeBron. We haven't had that just three-point shoot in LeBron yet. We've had nearly every other version of him. Had him in the post, had him driving, had him passing, had him doing this, had that consistent just being a three-point shooter. We've not seen that, so maybe that's something we might see this season. Maybe. Get Mello in those corner threes, boys. That's all I say. Get him in the corner. Uh, number five, then. Five in the, the West. We're nearing on. This is the last couple of teams now that will be in the playoffs officially. Who have you got in number five? My fifth team in the West is Return of the Meg. It's the Golden State Warriors. Up ah, in fifth place. We match. Second match. Two, two so far. Hey, there it is. So, um, Steph Curry... Current scoring champ. It's going to come back with a bang. Uh, they've brought back in old boy Andre. They're bringing it back. They're kind of reset into those past glory days of a few years ago. Um, they've got a really good mix of young and old talent on this team. And they've also got that kind of boost coming along, I think, around Christmas, te- Christmas time of... Um, uh, Clay Thompson coming back, shooting some threes as well, defending. I think he's going to pretty much be back, I think, almost as good as previous seasons. Um, it's those classic questions of uh, what shape is Draymond going to be in? It's Elite shape? Yeah, maybe. Um, Draymond, Draymond Believer, as you know. What do they do against the slightly bigger teams? Is James Wiseman ready for that? Um, and yeah, the, the health of the team overall. Can we get a full healthy season from their big stars, essentially? Because that's what's been holding them back the past three or four years. 
Uh, Andrew Wiggins was a great addition last season, played really well for them, just consistent on both ends of the floor. And I think that's what they needed him to do. Can he do that again? We will see. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is a really nice kind of middle-of-the-road playoff team. Five is pretty good for them, to be honest, as a franchise, with uh, obviously let Clay come back as slowly as he needs to be. And then yep. if he's fully 1,000 million percent ready to go by playoffs, no restrictions, and you're fifth and you don't have to do a play-in tournament, I think that's a perfect season for the Warriors. Yes, they'd love to be second, so they get an easier team. But I think realistically... If they finish fifth and then the first round of the playoffs, they're playing the Mavs, Lakers, or um, Suns. They'll take that all day if Clay's fully healthy. Do you know what I mean? I think that's a yeah, yeah. I think that's a good way to look at. So in my notes, I wrote that I was desperate to put them higher. <laughs> uh, they were third at one point, uh, so I was just really desperate. But I did have some roster kind of questions. Uh, obviously, Clay and Wiseman both injured. Well, I know Clay's not injured, but coming back from the injury, and so is Wiseman as we speak. So neither will probably be ready to play in October. Uh, and Wiseman, maybe November, December. Clay looks like January sort of time. So I think there's a big portion of the season where they're not going to be their full complement. Uh, and I just think the first half of their season is going to have enough losses where they're going to struggle to get any higher than fifth. You know, I think in January, we could be looking at them like eighth or ninth. And then once they've got the players back, that's when they'll go on their run and move up to the 6-5 sort of ring. So I think that's more what it's going to be. Um, secondary creator, I know they, they went after Paddy Mills pretty, pretty aggressively. They did sign Galloway, but they just released him. Um, didn't He didn't make the roster. So I was slightly concerned about the second creator because uh, you don't always want Steph bringing the ball up. Obviously, Draymond does that as well. Uh, and I just think that they think Iguodala can do that like he used to. I'm not so sure he can. No. Uh, but they're the perfect team that if he can't, when it comes to January and someone gets released from a bad team, they'll sign that point guard, you know? Yeah, whoever, whoever that person is, that they'll be the team with obviously the tax, the arena, how much money you can make from playing there. It's a nice area to live in, isn't it? It's a big stadium. You get to play with Steph Curry. I think whoever's available, their first choice, because the Lakers and Nets are loaded with players, I think the first choice will be, uh, let's look at Golden State or let's look at someone like the Clippers just because it's a good place to live. So, uh, I think they'll probably address that as the season goes on. And then the only other player I wrote down, I like both the rookies, uh, that Moody and Kaminga, but I'm not sure. I think long-term, they've got a great roster because they're so young and then they're in some areas and then they, they've got obviously the great players in other areas. So they could be a good team for the next five years. And then after that, they've already got three or four players that arguably are ready to go if they work out. But uh, another player I wrote down was Jordan Poole. Uh, incredible preseason. He finished last season incredibly. He's now shooting with Steph Curry, uh, on a daily basis. They did so all through the summer. And he's now like absolutely dropping bombs from like near half court. Uh, <laughs> and I just think he looks really good. He's averaging 26 points a game in preseason at the moment, like 47% from three. So I think if he can be not that good, obviously, but if he can shoot 40% from three on an okay volume and be their sixth man once Clay comes back, to have Curry, Paul, and Clay, and I guess arguably, you'd say Porter Jr., who shoots 38% as well. Uh, I think arguably then you've got some really good shooters on this roster because Damian Lee off the bench shoots 44% as well. So I think they could add some shooting finally after a couple of years of just Curry, basically, doing everything. So I think that's quite in, uh, important. Are you a Jordan Poole believer as a most improved candidate sort of player? Uh, potentially, I can see it. I can definitely see it. Um, and have no doubt that it's within him. It's just he needs to do it on the big stage. These these big teams are going to be wanting to kind of 
take the scalp of the Golden State Warriors and kind of stop this comeback from happening, I think. So they're not going to have an easy night, I don't think. Uh, I think mm. Steph is definitely going to have to continue the sort of tear that he was on last season, especially till hopefully a healthy clay comes back. Um, I think you're right in terms of that secondary creator and ball handler is a bit of a dodgy area that they do rely on Draymond to do that. And it works to an extent. Yeah, you, you want him to do it in the playoffs, don't you? You don't want to run him down every night doing it his size. So I just think you want a bit of help, but they think that's a good dollar. But I said, he, he didn't play very well last season. So I think he's great for the locker room. And obviously they just drafted two small forwards. He plays small forward. So it's perfect person to teach them the system. But I am worried whether he can actually play minutes on the court, but they definitely think he can. So, yeah, I'm not sure I agree with them. That would be my only uh, my only concern. Quick question about Poole. Do you think it actually helps players like Jordan Poole that plays off to start the season so they can get a bit of a bigger role, kind of imp- kind of get their feet wet straight on, and then when Clay comes back, that there's not much pressure on as much pressure on them and they get a bit more space? Or do you think that it's actually too much pressure for them to start? And I guess Jordan Poole will probably play every game he'll start every game at the two till Clay's back so you think that's too much pressure or do you like the fact that he can kind of get his feet wet till Clay's back no I think it's good I think these young players especially with the guys that got around them on this team that that um, they need to have these minutes and have their time to shine and I think everybody around them is going to be super supportive of that as well uh, I think we saw this kind of start of that last season with the guys they got in and I, I hope that kind of continues and these guys keep progressing it's, so it's only going to benefit the team long term yeah, cool. And Bielitz, a uh, cheeky little three-point shooter off the bench as well, so we'll see. Uh, number six, then. Uh, I'll go for this one. I wrote down the Denver Nuggets here. Uh, I did write first, kind of note, Jamal, uh, Jamal Murray's timeline will be key. They're a bit kind of wishy-washy about that. Uh, it's not going to be a Kawhi where he doesn't look like he's going to play the whole regular season, but he, he could be a February sort of time, or it could be later, or it could be earlier. Like They're being really kind of nonchalant about it, so... Without knowing when he's back, I'm going to anticipate February, and I think they could still win enough games till then that, that they, they could easily finish sixth. Uh, I think that Porter Jr. needs to be healthy, and he needs to stay consistent like he did at the end of last season. Uh, I think he was out for 15 games to start last year with COVID. COVID issues back and forth, basically. So that kind of really hindered the start of the season. But I think this year, if he can come out, be healthy, obviously kind of stay away now he's vaxxed from the COVID issues. Uh, he can be a bit more consistent. And after signing that huge contract he got, uh, I just think if he plays as well as he can, they could even go higher than sixth, potentially. Like, I think he's got that sort of level. Uh, I just wonder if Jokic might take a little step back. Cause obviously, last year he was MVP and the best player in the league. So there's a chance he could be a little bit worse. But I think Porter Jr. is so good that as long as Murray comes back soon enough, I think the Nuggets are going to just about avoid the play-in. I think they're, uh, they're still a very good team. And in the playoffs, they'll be very dangerous if they got all three of those guys healthy. You know what? Let's put another match down. I've got ah, ding, ding, ding. in six as well. And basically echo everything you've said there. Um, Jokic is an incredible player. He is. He was MVP for a reason last season. Um, and I like that he, this sort of scoring Jokic has stuck around. The past sort of three or four seasons prior to that, we know he can pass and rebound, but that scoring kind of hunger hasn't been there and it was sort of all falling on Jamal Murray and whoever else they had around them to do that. But now he's stepped up and he's consistent there. Um, it's kind of relieved the pressure and allowed the uh, rest of the team to kind of grow. Um, like you said, uh, 
they've had some good additions as well. I think the roster is looking better than last season, potentially. Uh, it is just, there is a big if or but on that Murray injury. How is he going to come back? Is he going to be the kind of um, scorer that he was before? Or is he going to come back and struggle? I, I think he'll come back fit and healthy, and, and that's what I want to see as well. I want to see this team fully healthy and see what they've, they've got in store for us. Um, Michael Porter Jr. is going to continue to develop, and I think he's going to be better defensively this season. Aaron Gordon, great pickup for them last season, is going to go. He's going to have sort of solidified his role in this team uh, and be a lot better for them as well. Uh, there's some really, really good pieces on this team. I just not convinced they'll be much higher than here, just mainly given the talent sort of around the rest of the Western Conference. It's it's difficult to put them above the teams we've mentioned so far. And they've also got Jeff Green, so that's a big <laughs> plus for me. Yeah, Jeff Green. I actually like that addition with a small plans with the Jokic. That's a quite a cool little combo there, I think. And they've got Jermichael Green as well. So they've got two Jay Greens on the roster, which is always fun. Uh, yeah, interesting. I've also got Porter Jr. and Jokic on a Dynasty League team that I'm in that is in the same league as Ben. So I hope they play well so I can beat Ben <laughs> finish higher than him in the league. But we'll see. Uh, let's move to number seven. Then who have you got in uh, seventh spot? I think we're going to have the same team here, I think. Ooh, my seventh spot team is the Portland Trailblazers. Ding, ding, ding. Same again. Four, Lovely. Four, Look at out, this. four out of seven now. We're on fire. Portland Trailblazers talked about a lot during the summer with Mr. Damian Lillard at the Olympics. Yeah. Dropping sort of little hints here and there. And who can blame him? He's in the prime of his career. He is on the sort of fringes of that MVP conversation every single year. Yet he gets knocked out of the playoffs every single year. He has <laughs> the worst defensive team every single year. So they brought in Chauncey Billups to try and help improve that defensive coaching. Uh, and I think they've had a really, really nice little sort of under the radar pickup in Larry Nance Jr. who can play sort of small, a smaller center role, but that more of that power forward role and is a defensive menace when he wants to be. Um, and can give it a little bit on the offense as well. I don't think those two things, a new coach and one player, is going to make a difference. However, they only need to be kind of middling in defense for their offense to carry them the rest of the way. I think last season they were second best offense and second worst defense. Yeah, they were, yeah. <laughs> Even if they go up five places on that defensive ranking, that's... 10 or 12 points a night you can find on a lot of teams. Um, I, I just think this is the last season, this this kind of iteration of the, the Blazers that we're going to see. If, if nothing comes here, I think they blow it up. They trade everything, get picks and start, start fresh. Rocket style. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Yeah, when, when I did this exercise that I modelled them around a little bit, but not much. That's the thing. They were very much in this 7-8 range every time. And I just thought, this is... I feel like I've done this ever since we've done the podcast. And then the five years before when we used to text each other these lists, I would have the Blazers in about seven. <laughs> it just feels like nothing has changed. 
Yeah, uh, defense still the issue. I do think that taking out obviously I like the power resigning. I think taking out Cantor and Mello and basically bringing in Nance will make that better. I think their defense as a team will be better overall. I don't think it'll be much better than like twentieth in the league. And I think they need to be more towards the fourteen to, to ten range to have a real impact. Um, but I do think it will be better. I like the Nance signing. Uh, I think their big rotation will be better. Nurkic, obviously, another year removed from the injury. I think he'll be better defensively as well. Uh, similar to Porzingis, had no real time to actually rehab with all the seasons being back-to-back and then having surgeries twice. So I think he'll be better as well. Um, but yeah, in general, I just don't think it's enough compared to the teams above. I think I would have traded CJ and I still would phone Philly and trade CJ because I think if you could get I think if you can get a couple of players instead of CJ just to freshen it up, that's great. If you can move CJ for Ben and keep Dame, uh, I think Dame and Ben are very, very good fits because I think Dame will always be able to get you in the top 10 of offense without CJ. Maybe not as high, but top 10. And I think Ben Simmons will always be able to get you in the top 10 to 15 of defense. So I think overall it could be better if they just traded CJ for Ben, but I can understand why the 76ers wouldn't want to do it. But yeah, similar to you, I think defense would be better, but not as good. The offense could be slightly worse. You know, some of the, the pieces outside of Dame don't shoot as well. Uh, and I just think overall they're destined for seven, eight, nine sort of reign. And uh, there'll probably be another fun playing team where Dame goes out and scores 40 every time he plays and, and we'll love it. But I don't think it changes the long-term trajectory of the team, unfortunately. Yeah, I think you're... you're spot on there it's it's such a shame as well because dame is beloved by so many people and he's an incredible player and it just seems such a waste to see him go down in this kind of yeah every year that's why i think i would go all in and trade cj maybe even trade nurkic potentially um to give it to almost be like one last go for dame just be like look we're doing this because we think it's better this is our last kind of all the dice in and see how it goes. Because I think if you don't do that and you finish seventh and you get knocked out in the first round again, he's going to leave anyway. So why not go risky and try and make a move to show to him that you're willing to sure. to go all in? But yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. They do love CJ. I know Dame's their main guy, but it, I do get the impression they love CJ a lot because he's linked with moves every year, but nothing ever seems to happen. But I think maybe perhaps those comments from Dame has maybe shaken them into not wanting to do that because even if they swing for the fences, get rid of everybody, bring in some fresh faces and really go for it, and it doesn't work out, it sounds like Dame is going to want to leave anyway. So they could yeah. end up with no superstar, no picks, no like future, basically. So maybe they're a little bit hesitant to make these big moves. Yeah, potentially, yeah. They haven't got many trade uh, picks left anyway after the Covington and uh, Powell deals. But sure. yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think they'll always be dangerous, especially in a playing scenario with Dame. But I just there's no way for me their defence doesn't get demolished by well, Jokic, Luca, Donovan Mitchell, LeBron James above them. I just think there's no way they could beat more than one of those teams to get a run going because I think their defence will be too bad and I'm not sure anyone else can truly score enough outside of uh, outside of Dame. Let's move on to number eight then. In number eight, I had the Los Angeles Clippers, a team that is crazily third in the English bookies to win the West. Ring <laughs> that matchup bell again. Ding, ding, ding. What's that number? Four, five out of eight. Yep. Love it. Yeah, they're third favourites, which is mind-boggling to me in the UK. They are not third favourites in America, but obviously we are UK-based, so you can't you can't do any bets in America unless you have a, a very good VPN. But less said about that, the better. We're not going into that. Um, I, I wrote down here, really, Kawhi injury is crucial. Kawhi is the most strange superstar 
to ever play the game of basketball in terms of injuries. He doesn't tell the team what his own doctors say. He doesn't clarify the injuries with them. He doesn't let them do their own medical scans without his team being involved. And they also, as a team, because of Kawhi's request, they never really report to the media what's going on. So we have no idea if he's going to be back in February or if it's a true ACL and he's going to miss the whole season. Because they said ACL tear, and then it came out there might be a partial tear. Then it came out that he might not play. So, yeah, it's similar to when he's a free agent. You never know the truth. So I just felt not comfortable putting them any higher than eighth. Uh, I don't think Reggie Jackson and Terrence Mann will be as consistent as they were in those two playoff series. I know a lot of people think that Obviously, Jackson's found a home, and he he was really good. Like his shooting was incredible. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, I shared a stat last in the playoffs that uh, outside of Durant, he was the best ISO scorer in the playoffs for the whole playoffs. That's how good he was. I don't think they'll be that good. So anyone, I think there's people that are putting them at like four, five, six, uh, and just say oh, I think Paul George will just go nuts, which I agree that he will. But I don't think the rest of the roster is as good. I don't really believe in Eric Bledsoe like other people. I think he is probably better than Patrick Beverly, but they weren't really playing Patrick Beverly in big games anyway. So uh, I'm not sure how much of a difference he truly makes. So I just think eight's about right. Uh, the teams after them, you'll see they haven't got as much star power. They haven't got as many veterans. The Clippers have a lot of veterans. I think they'll be able to beat some poor teams on the road just because they can out-savvy them and poor George and Jackson can score enough points. But yeah, I think overall, without Kawhi, their defense is worse, and their fourth quarter scoring is going to be worse. So yeah, I think eight is about right for the Clippers. Yeah, I think so as well. I agree. I think Reggie Jackson is a great player for them, but I don't think you can expect that scoring from him throughout a whole regular season. Um, Luke Kennard's a nice pickup for them. Shoots quite well. Um, still very young as well. A fairly big guard, six foot five. So that's going to be nice. Um, the, the biggest problem is they're missing um, they're missing one of their superstars in Kawhi Leonard. And we don't know how long that's for. Whether that's for the entirety of the regular season, back around All-Star, out for the entire season, including playoffs, you don't know. And which then couples with what Paul George are we getting? Is it going to be the one that we kind of saw towards the end of the season and into the, into the playoffs that was incredible? Or... Is it going to be the poor George that goes missing? Um, difficult to say. I'm also not convinced by their sort of smaller lineup with Serge Ibaka at the centre anymore. I think he's kind of lost it completely. Um, and we say every year that they could potentially be one of the best defensive teams in the league. I feel like they've kind of maybe lost that identity a little bit this coming season with injuries and age uh, and some roster changes so yeah I can't like you say I can't kind of raise them above that sort of uh, eighth position No and I think the teams underneath this are a gap as well in terms of quality so I think this is the highest and, and the lowest I could really get the Clippers and I think they've got a good coaching staff which helps them yeah. it's going to help them in these games um, but yeah, I actually think Serge Ibaka's already injured, so uh, yeah, no, no, no surprise there. Uh, I can't remember who they did pick up. Another, I'm just going to quickly look now. They did pick up another, another big. I'm just trying to remember who it is. Check, checking the uh, the old rosters Ooh. in front of me. Um, well, they still got Marcus Morris. Oh yeah, it was um, they they re they re-sign, sorry they signed Winslow, 
which is uh, obviously ex-first round pick. Uh, and then they signed Harry Giles from the Kings, another ex-first round pick. So it seems to me they've taken some flyers on some cheap guys with high potential because the rest of their roster is so heavily paid. Yeah. So yeah, if they, if they get some good minutes off those guys, they might be better at the big position, but... You're missing Kawhi Leonard. Like, look at what Kawhi Leonard did to the Mavs. The Mavs would have won, would have won that series, but he had literally the best series almost in NBA history before the finals when, when Giannis did what he did. Yeah. Uh, and you're missing that guy, at least for me, till through to to January, February at best, uh, and that's a lot of games. So yeah, I think that. That's huge. Yeah, my view is he won't play the whole season, but that's just my personal view. And if that's true, eighth is. Uh, is about right, I think. But uh, let's move on to nine then, because for me, nine, ten, eleven was uh, very difficult. Who have you got in number nine, the second to last playing team? Uh, it's between two for me here, and I'm gonna give it to the Grizz. I knew you would. Feisty Grizzlies team. Um, I don't understand them getting rid of Valentinus completely. I mean, Stephen Adams is fine. Not, I wouldn't say as good as Valanciunas, but he's fine. He's going to do what they need him to do. Um, I think they found a bit of a a gem in sort of in Dylan Brooks last season. He really stepped up for them, and I think he is kind of going to be that sort of pain in the ass as he was last year and rub teams up the wrong way and be a kind of hype man for this team. Ja Morant is an incredible athlete. If he can get that three-point shot uh, a lot more consistent this year, especially on pull-ups, then he's going to be an all-star, I think, personally. Um, Tasty. What they're banking on as well is Jaron Jackson Jr. being fully fit and healthy because he is a difference maker for this team. He's, He's not being healthy and look what they've still been able to do. They've they've been on the fringe of the playoffs. They've been giving teams really competitive games all season. I just feel like this team could continue to push on and, yeah, maybe get that ninth spot. Um, Interesting. But it is difficult to call. It is difficult to call. And uh, I'm not ringing the matchup bell on this one because I do not have them in ninth. In ninth, I have... The Minnesota Timberwolves climbing yeah. the league to get into ninth. Uh, yeah, this area was difficult for me. Uh, we'll talk about the Grizz in a bit. but um, So I'm hoping for a full season of Cat that could basically be enough to get this team into the 9-10 sort of range because he yeah. has had injury and obviously family, personal issues that have meant he's missed a lot of time over the last year. So I'm praying that he's healthy. I love him as a player. There's a lot of rumours, obviously, he's going to end up at the Knicks which I think makes sense with their history of Kentucky players. But for now, I think if you're the Timberwolves, you want to win. I think you hope that he's healthy and you can just have a whole year of him. And I, I think some of the teams around them have made a couple of silly decisions. they got a couple of injuries, um, including the Clippers and, uh, like I said, the Grizz trade with Adams, that I just think that there's a chance that their offense could be so good uh, with Cat that they could just creep into this ninth. Uh, Chris Finch ended the season as coach, uh, highly regarded across the league. So their offensive scheme is way better than it was previously. And towards the end of the season, they did win a few games and, and started to improve on defense. So I think overall, their coaching is way better than it was last year. I think Cat, if he stays healthy, is a massive boost to the to the whole team. Uh, and aside from that, 
they haven't really done a lot, have they? I know Edwards obviously a full season under the books. Yeah. The rest of the team is very similar. I know they've got Patrick Beverly, which maybe that makes a difference in terms of uh, he doesn't let guys slack off, which can happen allegedly in Minnesota. Uh, they've got Torian Prince now as well, another vet, which I think is fine. Uh, but overall, it is a very young team. But I just think maybe Edwards taking the leave in the full season of Cat means they might just score more points than these teams around them and be able to win against each other to try and finish in ninth. And I'd love to see Cat uh, in the play. I know it's not playoffs, but in the play-in at least, because I think he deserves it. Yeah, it's a good link for me because I've got them the spot below. So I've got them 10. Nice. Um, featuring that play-in tournament. Yeah, if you start to look at this team, the sort of your starting lineup that you're picturing is, is is very tasty with D'Angelo Russell and Patrick Beverly and Carl Anthony Towns and then I mean uh Anthony Edwards, Malik Beasley maybe sliding in eight. There's a couple of kind of guard slash wings you can play about with there. Um I'm a little bit worried on their big man depth because Carl Anthony Towns <laughs> yeah. is the healthiest player in the world and they've got uh Nathan Knight, and that's about as good as it gets. I mean, it's yeah, not, not it's not convincing there, especially like I said for a a team that has a superstar who is injured quite regularly. Um, they are going to be beaten up when it comes to these bigger teams like your Lakers uh, and your Jazzes. Um, I'd love to see. Russell and Cat put together one complete healthy season just to really see if this combination works because I know it was those two and, and Booker, the three the three best friends you could ever have, really want to play together and, and do something and now's your kind of time to shine, chance to prove that do a do a LeBron and Wade, but they've got to stay healthy. That's my biggest concern. They've not done it so far. Yeah, that is a big worry. I'd love to see Anthony Edwards and Cat play a whole season. I know, I know Russell's there as well, but I think Edwards could be so good that those two will be so fun. We'll see. I hope they are healthy. Uh, the playing games that you've got written out there would be very fun. So we'll see if they uh, they come true. Uh, my number ten team then. So it's not the Grizzlies. I've gone with the Pelicans. Me and the Grizzlies fall out finally of the playing scenario according to my predictions. Um, hopefully a better coaching uh, situation than last year it can't get worse than Van Gundy seemed like the whole team really did not like him Uh, the defensive scheme was terrible leaving guys switching non-stop onto guys they shouldn't be switching on so I'm hoping the coaching is better at least on the defensive end and the players play with a bit more freedom on offence I think when Zion plays he could take another leap like all stars seem to do in their second and third seasons uh, but the only reason they're this low and they're not above a team like the Timberwolves is because Zion uh, had another injury, foot surgery this summer. Uh, they originally said, I believe, uh, due to play in opening night, which is next Wednesday, I think, for them or Thursday. Uh, however, as of two days ago, the report was he hasn't started running yet. So there's absolutely no way a £300 man who hasn't started running yet will be playing in a week's time. And we all know he can run when he was healthy. <laughs> ben hates Zion and loves Jar, so this is why this is coming out. That's just, that's fine. We'll, we'll take this, we'll take the Zion slander. <laughs> I don't hate. I don't you, hate you, him. You hate I Zion. Don't think he's got no. I don't. I, there's no longevity there, in my opinion. You hate. You'll see him in New York. Him and Cat dominating <laughs> from for New York. We'll see. But no, yeah, I think yeah, it was Pelicans. So I, 
Pelicans, Timberwolves and Grizz were the three teams I was moving around loads. Uh, and I've just gone with this team because I think they've got better offense. I love Brandon Ingram. Ben loves Brandon Ingram as well. So yeah. I think he's in for another huge season. I think overall their roster is pretty fine. I think I quite I think I prefer it probably to I think I prefer their bench to the Timberwolves. I'm not sure about the starting unit, and I, and I do actually prefer their whole squad as well to to the Grizzlies. I think I think it's quite close. But I think I prefer it. Uh, so Devontae Graham was their big signing. Uh, and we both love Jonas Valanciunas. So I think he's going to help. Uh, I know people keep using the word space the floor. He doesn't really space the floor. He's not He's not a great three-point shooter. But he does it better than Adams. And he also can play from the low and the high post. Whereas Adams very much is, is kind of a one-way player. So I prefer that signing. Uh, I think Devontae Graham adds a bit of shooting next to Zion. So... I would have kept Lonzo Ball if I was them. And if they had Lonzo, I'd be more confident. But I think overall, their roster is still pretty good. So I went with the uh, the Pelicans here. Um, that leads me on to 11 then, which I may as well say, because we already spoke about the Grizz. Uh, well, actually, is 11 the Pelicans for you or not? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah I had the, the 1,011th, yeah. Um, it's been a bumpy road for this Pelicans team. I don't think this is the best Pelicans roster we've seen. However, the best Pelicans roster we've seen was awful when actually put on a court. So maybe this team will be slightly better than that. Um, there's some really great pieces on this team. They just need to find a way to make it work together. Uh, I'm still not overly convinced on the, like I said, that Valentinus move over here. Someone said it was to help them spread the floor so Zion could get in there. But Valentinus isn't the best three-pointing three-point shooting center in the league. Yeah. I don't think he's going to spread your floor like a Steph Curry would. That yeah, is he doesn't, sure. doesn't do it that often either, which is the the more important thing. Either. He doesn't shoot many threes, does he? So no, it was quite an odd move. But we will see. We will see with this team. I, I, yeah, I'm I'm not overly convinced all the pieces work together yet. We will see. Perfect Zion. Was Zion an all-star last year? Was he? I'm not sure if he was. Was he? Uh, I can't remember. I definitely had him in in my all-star prediction, but I don't know if he made an all-star. Yeah, I'll, I'll... yeah, he did. He did. So he, he did. beat. Okay. So he beat your boy Jar to an all-star. Yeah, fair, fair enough. That like, enjoy that. That's good. Um, <laughs> ben hates Zion. That's just the, what I'm going to say <laughs> for the entirety of this podcast. Ben hates Zion as much as I hate LeBron. That's what the rumors are going to be. Well, we'll see. <laughs> We'll see. Uh, so I had Grizz in 11th. Uh, I didn't like the Adams trade. I don't think that uh, Jar Moran is a good enough shooter yet. So I think if you're pairing him with another player who can't shoot, whereas sometimes Jonas did at least fake the three as well, which did open up the lane for Jar. Um, and I just think even if you take out the three-point shooting, in terms of low post scoring, Van Chus is also better. Like Adams is a better rebounder, but I think Van, Chu- Van Chunis is a better defender on the perimeter and he's a better scorer. So I think their offense could be a little bit worse. Uh, I did almost see it as a step back because they did take a couple of uh, of the bad contracts they ended up releasing just to do that move. So it was almost like we're not quite ready to go yet, so we'll just keep delaying it. Um, their starting roster is the same as last year, just like I said, with that swap at center. Uh, their bench is... Well, yeah, I think their bench is a little bit better, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, overall for me, not quite enough. Uh, but I do see those teams very similar. I think it's just going to be who beats each other out of those teams to see who uh, walks away with the, the last play in place. Uh, cool, let's move to 12 then. Maybe we're going to have a, with a chance we might match up here. Who you got in 12? 12, I've got 
the Sacramento Kings. Ah, there we go. We match. Nice. Yeah. Um, the Kings are slowly building or, or gathering, should we say. They're not building. They're gathering some talented pieces. What they're building in total, I'm unsure of. Um, but for them to improve, for me, they need to make some moves. They need to move some of these pieces and um, get some other players in. I think there's a rumour that um, Ben Simmons has said he's quite happy to go and play in Sacramento. So maybe I would, we see... I would do that trade tomorrow. I would, if I was the Kings. Yeah. I, I would as well, I think. Um, maybe it means they move Buddy Heald and a young piece um, for for him. And I think maybe they should. Uh, like I said, it, it it's a team of players. It's not a team, you know. It's it's yeah. It's a bunch of individuals. Yeah, like I said, I've got the same the same team here. I think there's an actual argument that their top seven players ish on their roster are probably better overall than some of the than the teams we've named above. I do think there's an argument for that with Memphis yeah. and the Pelicans and maybe the Timberwolves, but Cat is very, very good. But there's definitely an argument. I, I don't think it's a, a clear decision, but the overall fit is strange. The coach is one of the worst coaches in the league. They still haven't fired Luke Walton, so I don't think it's going to get much better. Um, I'm not a Fox lover. I would trade Fox for Simmons straight up if I was Sacramento, but they, they won't do that. But I would be trying to keep Halliburton. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I like Buddy Heald, but he's wanted to leave for about two seasons. I think you have to trade him this season. And I think with Barnes' contract, as much as I like Barnes as well, obviously ex-Mav, I do think you should probably trade Barnes before he gets too old and you can't get much for him. Because um, I like Holmes. I like Halliburton. I like Davion Mitchell. Uh, Mo Harkless is a fine veteran to have. Uh, they've got about 16 centres on the roster, which is a bit of a weird one. Um, but yeah, I think they need... I agree with you. I'd do a couple of trades. And I think I'd start with Heald and, and Barnes. And then if, yeah. if I had to, maybe you would trade... Mitchell maybe with someone else to try and get Simmons if you could but yeah this Kings fans don't want Ben Simmons I find that mind-boggling because it's crazy well they a, got... yeah he's an all-star player who's uh been an all-NBA player as well I know obviously not first team but later team and I just think that yeah I wouldn't be trading everything don't get me wrong if you've got healed Halliburton Barnes well no healed Halliburton and uh Barnes deal for like two Kings I wouldn't necessarily do that but I think there's a package out there that brings Simmons in that, that's pretty good. But yeah, let's move on. If, if they if they go for Simmons, I would possibly put Fox above the other two in that trade scenario because Heald and Halliburton, I think, are better shooters than yeah. Fox. And if you can surround Ben Simmons with shooters, then you're in a better place than yeah. maybe than having, two, than having two people that can't shoot again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that as well. Uh, cool, let's go on to, to the last three then. We're running a bit longer on time, so we'll shoot through these. Yes. Who've you got in 13th? Uh, the Spurs. Oh, not matching. We're not matching. Um, just there in a bit of chaos at the moment. Half building, half not. What's what's the plan here? I think they need to just sort of embrace the tank. And that's what I'm looking for this season. And it's a bit of a terrible way for Pop to go down, but... It's the way it's got to go, I'm afraid. So, um, yeah, I got the Spurs down there. Interesting. I had the Spurs in 14th. 
so one place uh, lower. Um, but yeah, it's a bit of him missing. They've got a pretty poor roster. It's got worse, obviously, with DeRozan, who did really well last year. People don't realise how good he actually was in terms of scoring. So I think they're going to miss him. Uh, I do think the coaching is probably going to win them some games they shouldn't. And I think they'll probably win more than 20-odd games. I think their over-under was 23. I think they could win over 23, but they could still finish 14th because I think the teams around in the West can all beat each other at the bottom, I think. So I think they'll win a few games they shouldn't. But the team I had in 13th was OKC. They do constantly, at least at the start of the season, overachieve in what they should do. Um, I agree with you. The Spurs should tank. I think OKC should tank. I think the Rockets should tank. I think they should all try and lose. But I think at least at the start of the season, OKC will try and win until they sit people again. I think SGA as well, after signing that deal, he won't want to be rested at the end of the year for a fake injury. I think he'll play more games this season, which means they'll win a few more. And that's why I've got them 13th. I think he's an all-star level player. Uh, there's a don't know. There's too many guards probably in the West for him to get all star, but I think he'll be in contention because uh, I think he's really really good. So yeah, young roster that I think maybe just kind of outperforms their talent with uh, with effort uh, and finishes thirteenth. But I got the Spurs like I said in fourteenth. So who have you got in fourteenth? Yeah, okay, see, um, same reasons as you. Uh, uh, for me, I think they're better than the Spurs. It's just how are they going to be coached? What direction are they going to go in? Are they going to, like you said, fake injuries and bits and bobs, making players sit and tanking on purpose? Uh, is it going to hurt them? I, I don't see the Spurs tanking on purpose, although I think they should. <laughs> yeah. Whereas OKC, I can see doing that, um, which, like you said, is a shame because I think SGA is, is an incredible talent. We love Lou Dort. Uh, oh, we do. Poku. Okay, yeah, they've got some really good players, you see. Uh, even a couple of their older ones in Mike Muscala and Derek Favors can contribute to this team quite nicely. And but yeah, it's for me, it's the direction of the team. It's the it's the big dog. It's the management and the coaches. What are they going to do with this talented team? Cool. And then in the last place, that means we both have the Houston Rockets. Uh, unfortunately, with the new odds, that kind of doesn't mean much anymore. Because uh, the bottom three teams total are going to have the same uh, same odds to, for the first pick. So overall, doesn't really matter probably if you finish 14th or 15th. I think the West and East are both going to have some bad teams. So we'll, we'll see how that, that kind of spans out. But I think the Rockets are the youngest team in the West or second. I think OKC may be younger because of John Wall's average age. Um, they've got no proven all-star though. Where I think I know SJ isn't an actual all-star, but I think he's all-star talent. Whereas the Rockets haven't got a proven player at that level. Jalen Green, I think, has got a chance. I love their draft pass. It was incredible. But they're all young. They're going to make mistakes. The coach obviously wasn't as good last year, but had a lot to deal with. So he gets another kind of crack at it. Um, but I'm just pretty confident that unless Jalen Green goes crazy, which he could do, that their defense is going to be so bad. Uh, and they're going to be so young that I just think they're going to get outworked in games and they're going to finish uh, bottom of the West. Yeah, uh, I like... A couple of players on this team. I mean, I like Daniel Tice, but don't understand that move. When you've got Christian <laughs> Wood, who you want to pump all your minutes to there. Um, they've got some really, really good raw talent here in five seasons. If this team is still together, could be outrageous. Uh, they need to get rid of John Wall and Eric Gordon as quickly as possible, in my opinion. Just get them out to a different team uh, and go from there. That is my summary of the Rockets. Yes, I would agree. I do love their talent. Uh, let's see if they can pull off some crazy trade in a couple of seasons, see if they can rebuild. 
but yeah, bottom of the West for me as well. And that wraps up the uh, Western Conference. We had seven the same out of 15 on that one. So one right. less than the East. Uh, we were on a good run until we got to like 10 and then we kind of were all over the place with each other. But uh, yeah, I think we've got the same tiers when I look at it. I think I'm a bit higher than the Lakers on you, which is shocking. But apart from that, we've got the, the same tiers, which is good. Um, but that's our East and West preview. We'll keep track of the results to see how we do towards the end of the season. Uh, next episode, like I said, we're going to go through all the awards. I'm going to give Ben some uh, over-unders that I find interesting and get him to pick over or under for the team's wins. Uh, like I said, predict all the awards. And then we'll do a mini pod uh, coming out the day of the first opening night where we pre- preview the two games just for a 15 little 20 minute episode. But go follow us uh, uh, at underscore hardwood hoops. Ben, any final words to sign us off with? Bring on the regular season, baby. Hashtag Lou Dort season. Let's go. Lou Dort.